everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of Link to the Cast. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, here joining you for another week of video game news and nerd culture ephemera. I am joined to uh, sail through these waters by my ever-present co-host, the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Sail away, sail away. Yeah, I'm alright. I thought you were either going to go with that or uh, sticks. I'm sailing away. Yeah, so I don't know the words to that. Uh, so all you need is the Cartman part. Yeah, I know. To do the um, impressions. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty good. Um, I'm off to Galway this weekend. Your first trip. My f- uh, well, I mean, I've been to, I've been to Bray. I've been to no, no. Your first trip to Galway. Oh, first trip to Galway. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah your the, first trip to the West in general. Yes, indeed. Uh, as we pronounce it. The girlfriend was like, would you like to go to Galway? I was like, sure. She's like, where do you want to go in Galway? I went, I don't know anything in that part of the world. So yeah. just... Yeah. I have a few places in, in mind. There's like a couple of good pubs and a couple of good places. A couple of good pubs. <laughs> well, no, there's like, there's a couple of famous ones like that. Yeah, okay. You know, that if you mentioned to people that have been to Galway before, like your granddad was in Galway, wasn't he? Didn't he, didn't oh, he say that before? Although for a man who doesn't drink beer or like Guinness, that's kind of. But you see, uh, like the half. Did they do a mean bottle of Jack? Well, that's the the thing is like uh, the pub grub. Uh, Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's a big thing here, as it as it is over in your fine country. Yeah, I've noticed the the kind of gastro pubs are becoming more and more a thing. Like, there's actually a new one here in Newbridge that we should go to. Was there? Um, do you know where... This is really going to be boring to anybody who hasn't been to Newbridge. Do you know where that bakery is near the old Extravision? Uh, I know where the Extravision that isn't there anymore. Okay, well, across the road, there's like a side street that leads down to where the old courthouse in town used to be before okay. it got set on fire. And um, on the corner there, there used to be a bar called Rose Early's that's now a gastro pub called Brew House, okay. I think. Something like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's promising. Yeah, do you have Weatherspoons over here? Is that no. a thing? No. <laughs> um, okay. Well, no, sorry. We do have our first one. Um, there was a massive tizzy about uh, really? Weatherspoons coming over here. One, because British chain. And two, because... Look, you lot really need to well, just... Well, two, because there are a lot of people making the argument that the the kind of preponderance of cheap alcohol made available by Weatherspoons is partly responsible for the binge drinking culture that, in spite of Irish stereotypes, exists far worse in the UK. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people throwing their oar in, saying that, that we shouldn't have a Weatherspoons here because it makes things easier as well. Um, it was kind of on the same level. That, wasn't there an argument in the UK because a Weatherspoons got built on a motorway? Uh, I think that happened. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think it was on like one of the big fat quiz of yes, years. Yes, I, going I mad do about remember it. there was a big um, hoo ha about that. Um, yeah. But sure, I guess the idiots out of the way. And yeah, <laughs> that's it. Cleansing. That's an interesting. I didn't think we'd take this discussion to eugenics, but there you have it. Um, I'm your boy. We got a new bit of a new recording setup going on here. Like we talked about yeah. that the first phase was complete last week. We got new tables. Phase two is complete this week. We've got a. Nice arm stands for our microphones. Indeed, you can now hear every exhale, inhale, and uh, slurp of of drink. Yeah, because we can get up real close now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's nice. Get all creepy. It's nice. I don't have to lean forward in my old man ways, um, or wait until after the podcast to find out. It sounds like one of us is right on top of the microphone, and the other one sounds like they're across a room underwater. Yeah, well, I Brian's particularly bad for that because, like, the way Brian talks is that he leans backwards in the chair and yells upwards. Yeah. <laughs> 
and considering it's just a microphone on the table yeah. uh, and it's a pretty open room sound yeah, very just, but and like yeah. you wouldn't know when he's on it because the microphone tends to pick him up more because of how loud he is yeah but like i sound like i'm miles away even though i would be close to the microphone just because he yells everything it's i i do remember there was a couple of episodes while i was away last year where the the audio was well that we did great. only have one then yeah yeah, yeah. we um, only got at this because you have one mm-hmm. and then brian bought one like very shortly before you came back yeah um because i was just like i'm fed up with this yeah yeah <laughs> um but there was just a couple i was like fucking hell and yeah, i think around the time of the game of the year podcast because he had one by then because yeah. he was able to record from his room yeah um but yeah we're getting there we're getting pop shields as well this week yes um so this this episode might be a little bit poppy Poppy. um i I don't think away goals was this week and i was using this setup so no it didn't sound too bad actually um i mean i had my training from performing performing arts and theater about making sure to uh kind of silence the the pops we actually were and i hope i hope jack did record it we were doing the uh we were trying to pop each other before the the start of by doing the uh the anchorman vocal warm-ups the silver surfer (laughs) was denied a bank loan uh, shall we talk about some video games? Yeah, go on then. All right, playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing this week, Mark? I finished Twilight Princess HD. Uh, I won't go too much into it because I, I, I said quite a bit about it last week. This but... is one where I think it was when we actually closed up recording and everything and last week and i went to go upstairs i'd mentioned offhandedly to you did you want to come up and grab it and i think it's i think it was over the week wasn't it since our last one that you've proper... no because i'm pretty sure i was playing it when we when we recorded last week no oh, it feels like it hasn't been that long it feels like yeah because yeah, yeah. I, I i ended up putting about 40 hours into it dear lord yeah i know it's uh it's it's a long game yeah um it's not as good as I remember it. Mm. Um, and I wasn't blown away when I played it for the first time. I Partly, partially, I think it was... I was in the middle ground of where I was happy that they went back to the kind of Ocarina-esque, slightly opera style of graphics <coughs> as compared to the cel-shaded Wind Waker. Because I like the Wind Waker style of things, but I yeah, was I happy we, to we, go back. Because we, we dicked around with a couple of games this week, uh, one of which, which may... I'm, I'm tossing over whether that'll eventually become a book club so i won't name it but another infamous or famous cell shaded game and i think we kind of concluded between ourselves that the cell shaded games really really like tend to stand the test of time yes the game once the gameplay is okay yeah well it's even like uh a lot of the the gamecube games still look really good because Mm. they just use very kind of bright bold colors like mario sunshine still looks great other than it's Mm. not 720 1080 blah 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 i always had a soft spot for sunshine yeah no sunshine or um i don't go as far as dan Riker to say that uh flood is the greatest thing that's ever been put in a mario game oh he is prone to hyperbole indeed but uh, speaking about um like graphical presentation i don't know how they can call this uh hd upres because at no point during me playing this game that i feel like it was there like you really notice it with um wind waker because even though that's a game that i feel didn't really need the operas popped the colors more in that well i i I still think that the original wind waker looks better because uh i feel that um the hd remake of wind waker was just awash with bloom like way Mm. too much but there was nothing 
nothing I felt at any point during this playthrough of, of Twilight Princess HD where anything really stood out. Um, and I noticed as well, and so I was playing most of the game on the gamepad. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I, I detected actually when we talk about graphical presentation um i, I detected a hint of uh, the couple of times i saw you play it when you were still using the tv a little mm-hmm. um did i detect motion blur i think there was a little bit but more yeah. th- more than that i was i was kind of disappointed more like. more than that um when i was playing it on the gamepad <clears throat> and the reason i was playing the gamepad is because um it you know, took the GameCube controls into consideration, but it also used the gyroscope of the gamepad itself for when you was firing arrows. And oh stuff. my god, that I... <sighs> it's it's a lot easier to do that than to do it on the TV screen. I'll yeah. say that much. So it's I just... one of the things that, you know, that annoys me about the, the, the 3D remake of Ocarina of Time on the DS? Mm-hmm. is having to use the, the gyroscope for um, like aiming it. at first person. You say, I never like the gyroscope thing. I don't know what it is. I... Uh... It's one of the things when I heard that um, it was a prominent feature in the new Star Fox that I was, uh, yeah. I was like, right, I'm out. Well, the thing is, it, it never, firing arrows is never feels like a prominent thing. And if you need to do it quickly, they usually do it in a way where you can just Z trigger to fire. So mm-hmm. um, it's only when you're trying to snipe away from a distance that it works out. But yeah, so I was playing mainly in the gamepad and the, the last bit of the game um the ganon fight is split into four segments and there's one where you're going um around on your horses and it really starts to chug like i've only really started to notice more about performance issues in the last couple of years i don't know whether it's because i'm more aware or it's just more of a prominent thing but it really showed uh there and i looked online and there was people saying that playing on the tv they didn't notice it but on the gamepad they did so um i didn't play on the tv to find out it was only when i read afterwards so yeah it's it's it really feels like this was an unnecessary release um other than amiibo support or whatever or for people that never played it first time around um and also just the the last third of the game kind of it it falters a little bit like some of the last temples um or dungeons feel a little bit either lazy in design or just lacking um yeah it's it's not what I remember it being, but that could have just been, that was 10 years ago, and I was like, oh, it's a new Zelda game, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's still not as bad as Skyward Sword, because, <laughs> you know, and there's, I'll tell you what, if they do a HD remake of Skyward Sword, I, I don't think they will. not going anywhere near it. <laughs> so, that was that. Uh, the other thing I've been playing is a Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah, an iOS slash Android game called Reigns, uh, which has been out for about two or three weeks now. It's a premium game. I think it's like two forty nine at the moment. And the idea is, uh, you are a king. It's kind of like, kinda like a roguelike. Um, I'm gonna presume you've never been on Tinder before, because you know nope. you've had a girlfriend for a while now. Uh yeah, since before the advent of Tinder. But you understand the general concept of Tinder. Yes, I've lived with Brian for quite some time. <laughs> hey, uh, you swipe left or right on a uh, varying degree of uh, pictures of women, and you swipe one way to say you like them, or one way to say that you don't. Reigns uses this concept or mechanic, and so you're a king in charge of your kingdom, and you get a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, place in front of you and these can be a simple yes or no answer or they can be a little bit more vague or a little bit more just creative um 
and the whole idea is you have four icons at the top of the screen. You have, uh, I think, like faith slash religion, money, your kingdom, your people, and there's one other that I can't remember. And you have to play like a balancing act. So you've got like four, uh, it start off four at le levels, and they kind of go up and down depending on what you do. So, for example, if a nun comes to you and says that we'd like to build a church, if you say, yeah, sure, we'll build a church, um, your money meter will go down and your kind of faith religion meter will go up. And so you keep going and every card represents a year. So obviously you want to just go for as many years as you can. And uh, it's, yeah, it's like, it's a game that you can play for five minutes. It's a game you can get stuck into for an hour because every time you die, you uh, you get like a, a screen that shows you like, okay, uh, Gerald the Fifth lived for this many years and you can kind of like see the generations as you go along and it kind of keeps track of decisions that you make. Uh, so the writing's very good. It's very humorous. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a game where you, you kind of, you learn as you go along because, you know, you start to see similar cards, but it also starts to add, um, uh, cards as you go along as well. So you, you know, you start to learn, but then you get other cards thrown at you and it kind of keeps you, keeps you on your toes. Uh, and it's just, it's, you know, it's pretty humorous. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not, I don't know of many games I've played like this, so I, I like what it does. Um, I want to spend a bit more time with it. I only played it for about <clears throat> an hour yesterday. Um, so I want to kind of see what other scenarios it throws at me. Uh, but there's quite a bit of challenge to it. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's always good when you find a new kind of game. Because when people think about iOS and Android these days, they immediately just think free to play. So it's nice that this game comes free to player endless runners. Yeah, so it's nice that a game comes along um, that is doing its own thing and has actually been successful as well. I think they've sold like six hundred thousand copies, which is really yeah. good to see. I think the the mobile gaming space has been uh, beleaguered for quite some time by the um, preponderance of shovelware, just mm. like people shoving games out there to just monetize or go after that, that you know whale hunting, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I I definitely recommend Reigns. I want to play it a little bit more. Um, I want to I want to see kind of what there is else to explore. Um, you know, I like the options where you, uh, you it, one of your kind of servants, whoever says, "Oh, there's a princess from another kingdom. Do you want to marry her?" And you do, and then you get a shit ton of money from it, and you're like, "Yeah, great!" And then you have um, like a bunch of like enemies from the west coming, and you're like, "Oh no, just kind of fend them off." And you know, you get to a point where it really seems like once you start going low. On one meter, it's very hard to get it back up. Uh, so I, 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 yeah, I need to play more to see how, like, how to get those kind of meters leveled out once one of them starts dropping. Because mm. um, it just, you get to around the fifteen year mark, and it seems very difficult to kind of keep the levels balanced. Um, but no, it's it's good. I, I'd, uh, I'd recommend it. Hmm. Excellent. Um, well, for me anyway, uh, it's that time of the year again. Football has come home. Jesus. Uh, in the last week or so, we have had, uh, as and from, I believe, yesterday, the FIFA 17 demo ahead of FIFA 17's launch came out. So that was that's uh, available on the Xbox One and uh, PS4 stores, as far as I know. I don't know about last gen. Couldn't be too certain on that. Um, this I believe is, they are on last gen. Okay, excellent. Um, this is the first FIFA game in the new Frostbite engine. 
um, which has promised a lot in terms of improving dynamics and visualization, things like that. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and we also have on the other side of things the actual retail release of Pro Evo 2017. Now, both of us have played both of these games, um, and I think as the token football correspondent on the show, and being a host of a football podcast as well, uh, I lead the discussion on this. Um, I think maybe what I want to do for this, like again, when you get a demo, right, so the FIFA 17 demo, one thing you need to know about demos is the demos usually, right, so if the demo came out yesterday, there's a fair chance that the demo was finished and ready to go weeks ago. So it's not the 100% final product. Like I remember distinctly FIFA 16's demo. The gameplay was felt much quicker and in the final product was toned down. Um so it's not entirely representative, but I think what we're going to do here is give some early impressions of the final release of uh Pro Evo 17 just how the game feels rather than game modes or anything like that. I might do that might be my piece for not next week, but the week after, because that'll be the week FIFA launches. Yeah, I might do a piece then on um, how they match up mode-wise. Okay. Um, once I've had time to dip into both of them, um, I think maybe has the kind of the as the person who won't drone on about the uh, the actual the the minutia of it all. I might get your thoughts first, Mark. I'm quite interested to see what you think as someone who I think at best could be described as a casual football game player. Yeah, I mean my experience with the Pez series is minimal at best. Yeah. Um I I've briefly touched the Pez series um during the PS2 era and then going back to uh was it uh ISS ISS Pro. Yeah, so I played them International on, Superstars on, on the 64. So I'm kind of way out on the loop on yeah. that. Um uh, by contrast as well seeing as we're saying our, our history going back actually gives your history with FIFA as well then okay. I'll, give you, I'll give mine uh, FIFA it, pretty much just every couple of years yeah. um, I'll pick up one like that like I do with Madden yeah I mean I do that with that golf and, and like the, the 2k series at this point although I don't know when I'll go back to that but yeah it's mm. basically just every couple of years um, I'll, I'll feel like yeah I should have a football game just to kind of have around yeah for me it started off mid to late 90s FIFA every year yeah Um, and then in 2004, things changed because Future 2004 came out and was just, I thought, ridiculously easy. And the things they had changed in it, I didn't like. My neighbor was a massive Pro Evo advocate at the time. Um, I was very much a full kit wanker. Didn't want uh, anything to do with, you know, a lack of licenses. But the PS2 era brought along the ability to download customized option files um, through USB and things like that. So it was... Um, it, it wasn't too difficult to get the, the kits. I stayed with Pro Evo from, I think, Pro Evo 3 was the first one I owned myself. All the way up until 2010, or not 2000, no, 2009, which would be when FIFA 10 came out. It's hard to fucking, when it's a year ahead that they name them. So FIFA 10 came out, and that was the one for me that got me back on board with FIFA. And now it's, I'll buy FIFA every year, and I'll buy Pro Evo every couple of years. I'm a sick guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with our kind of, our comparative histories there, Mark, go on and tell me. You dicked around with both of the games yesterday yeah. and some more today. Yeah. So both the demos and now I played a little bit of uh, the proper PES game, which you have. And uh, presentation from production wise, you know, they're pretty similar at this point. Um, 
I'm not going to say that there's almost like a, a homogenization at this point. But in, in some ways, it's the closest to parity we have had in a long, long time, I think. Yeah. Uh, I feel FIFA feels uh, a little bit heavier. Um, it, it, it That's... To, to me, that's always been the case because Pro Evo, like you think of the genesis of Pro Evo, comes from the very arcadey style of football. Yeah. It's play the game quick, play a quick game, then rematch quickly. Yeah, and so I, I feel FIFA, it still has that smidgen of the, the ball feels like it sticks to your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's something they've been trying to refine throughout the years. So I know that's one of the kind of key kickers for a lot of people. Um, so Pez felt a little bit more kind of slicker in those regards. Uh, I find that the kind of power charge uh, for when you're kind of trying to hold up for a shot. Um, it's an adjustment. It's a lot quicker on Pez. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like far too quick almost. Yeah, it's very, the the responsiveness uh, in terms of powering up passes or shots is, um, the, the sensitivity is very high. Yeah, I have to look at the bar. You know, yeah. I don't have to do that. I, I imagine fun. there's a way to get in under the hood and turn that down because there usually isn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, this is like literally just out of the box. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really feel like there's too much, um, that kind of sets them apart at this point. I know that I I think the big thing for FIFA is the fact that they've got this journey mode. Um, I imagine, and obviously the ultimate team packs as well. And they've, they've, they've tweaked a lot to do with career mode as well. Yeah. Where they've introduced like, uh, different things about like changing brand exposure and stuff like yeah, that. So I added depth there. definitely think that EA have, uh, created a game here, which is in response to probably how good uh, Pez was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't looked at sales figures to see kind of what effect that, uh, that had. Yeah. Pro Evo will never beat. No, Evo, yeah, not, not that, no. but whether it even kind of chips into it. Yeah. Um, but, I imagine Pro Evo had better sales last yeah. year, yeah. But it's nice to see where you know you have your uh, annual increments of, of a game and it's there's barely any changes, or certainly for me, probably because I'm not looking deep enough, that it, it feels like minor tweaks graphically and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Or in the case of like the WW2K series, it's tweaking stuff that doesn't need to be tweaked that actually affects the gameplay in a negative way. Yeah. Uh, where here, it seems that they, from some of the stuff you were saying with the journey mode, it seems like they're, they're trying to pack a lot more in. Um, Which I'm always in favour of. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot around the, the ultimate team mode that yeah. I'm not interesting at all yeah. but hey look it's it's there for some people and it makes them a lot of money so good for them yeah so yeah uh i would probably just because of the familiarity and because i couldn't be bothered to download packs because i am lazy i'd probably end up playing fifa but i mean if you've played pez before i you know i can't see anything here that would make turn you off of it it plays very well yeah. so uh, you know they'll, they'll um, be fine to me yeah notes year over year here i think that um for pro evo uh, defensive organization is still fantastically well done i think defensive ai is still very very difficult to break down as it should be i think uh a good improvement on last year's goalkeeper AI. I didn't notice any goalkeepers having particular howlers during our game. There was one spectacularly acrobatic clearance from Handanovic in one of our games. But that was about the only weird thing a keeper did. Well, in... I mean, it's because I was holding down triangle, and if he had gone to grab it, he would be outside the box. Yeah, he so... basically did this massive mar- martial arts roundhouse midair kick kind of shit. It was great. Um... What else about Pro Evo? The um, player likenesses, uh, Pro Evo runs away with it, I think. Mm-hmm. 
but in terms of the overall presentation of how the game looks in the midst of it being played from the kind of the the not top down view but the kind of 2.5d view of the, the you know the way the, where the camera hangs basically yeah, yeah. is what i'm saying from play fifa looks better but when you go up close and actually look at the players and how close they look to their real life counterparts i think pro evo still edges it on that fox engine because the fox engine is ridiculous um i think fifa handles slightly differently i think the ball physics the way it moves in the air and the way it drags across the grass and the way it bounces i think has improved um i still think two things that i have long believed about the two games versus each other stand to be true still on this and that's i said this to you is that FIFA is the game where you feel more confident trying to beat defences by creating a run and running through defences or running at defences, making them panic. But I think Pro Evo, you can't do that. I think Pro Evo involves you being more kind of um, thinking about the long game and trying to pass around defences. Like I was pointing out to you that like I was passing in triangles because it was the easiest way to break down a defence. I couldn't just grab the ball and run down a flank because you would catch me. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I, I found more about um playing the game like tactically when i was playing against you mm. uh i just tend to switch off when i'm playing against the the ai but yeah. with you like i was seeing more in terms of um mainly just trying to kind of see how you yeah. were playing with, with the triangles and when yeah you, you were you were making balls. note of how like i was I, I i was doing well at being able to predict where the play was going to go next and this is literally just from like obsessively playing these games for so long yeah. is that i'm able to kind of move defenses to break down attacks and like when attacking then i i try to consider it more than rather than just grab the ball i need to run up the goal as quickly as possible um i i still think when it comes down to it if you're asking me which one to buy this year i don't have an individual preference myself so far i reserve the right to change that when fifa comes out full retail well, you are you will have both, so you know. I will, but I'll be able to say which one I prefer. You uh, know yeah. what I mean? Um, but the key difference for anyone who's playing it is that I think, and there is a distinction between the two terms I'm about to use. Pro Evo is the better football video game, and FIFA is the better football simulation. Well, how about that? Put that on the boxes. Yeah. Pro Evo still has that cool arcadey feel that yeah. things can turn on a dime very quickly. And that you can move the ball around nice and slick and quick and it's quick to get into matches and things like that with fifa it's more considered things feel more weighty um and not i don't mean that in a bad way it's trying to replicate the authentic match day experience um more so than fifa is or not, not FIFA, sorry more so than pro evo is i think pro evo is just trying to be a fun football game rather than an authentic simulation of mm. the whole entirety of the football experience i'll tell you what it was uh, a trip down memory lane the other day i went back and i found a video uh from fifa 93 onwards and i remember it was fifa 94 was where i came on board because i remember the the um the presentation like when it brings up the teams you're playing like i remember how that looked mm. um and the sort of old isometric view love playing that and then i got to fifa 96 which was like this weird hybrid between the 2d and the 3d and seeing the the uh, crowds with their kind of stretched bitmap uh image that went around yeah, static it was kind of garbage it was 
pretty bad. We're so pretty we, privileged to live in these times. We have come a long way. Um, it, it benefits yeah. football game fans that we now have two strong football games pushing each other to be better every year, and long may it continue. Uh, I'm trying to think. What was some of the other uh, football games? There was Michael Owens one, which was terrible. Oh, Michael Owens one, yeah. David Beckham had one. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Sensible Soccer is a classic. Oh, Sensi. Is it This Is Football? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was dreadful. Um... John O'Shea was on the cover of one of those, the Irish version of really? one of those. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God, no, what, the, there was um, there was a game that had, like, um, a different club on the front, like, there was a United... Oh, club it? football. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, club football. Um, yeah. But we're pretty much just down to these two now. I can't think of any others. Yeah, like, there are a bunch of, like, iOS and Android yeah, ones. Yeah, and yeah, there's, You know, there'll always be... But I mean, like, handheld soccer of, games. You know, your kind Rocket of... Rocket League as well right <laughs> which you know fucking blows you two out of the water yeah but in terms of like yeah football simulation these it's are, these, are, these are the two yeah the last two standing and i think it's kind of fair like i i mean i'd be interested to actually go back and see who was developing which ones and see which ones died out just because um some of those kind of middle or the middle of the grow road ground or road pick one mark um, those kind of middle tier studios which died out in like the mid 2000s the midways and the acclaims of the yeah world. yeah and which ones were just these were bad games let's not make these again which was quite a few of them to be fair mm. yeah well that that concludes now i will be coming back to give my final verdict on fifa either in the written word or on the podcast in a couple of weeks i look but, forward uh, to it i think it's time to move to the news to the news 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 on the mark One of my favourite games of 2016 and a game that I cannot wait until the day where we do a playthrough where I sit you down in front of this. The Witness is out on Xbox One now. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that at some point, aren't I? I think that could be a nice little mini-series for us. And by mini-series, I mean like two hours of you weeping. Yeah, I I might. Look, hey... The problem with the, the problem hey, with the witness, like I love the witness to bits, but and that's not me kind of mocking or anything like that. But the problem with the witness is that, it's at least forty five percent that. No, that's just my general life is forty five percent mocking you. Oh, um, no, the the thing about the witness is that um, like having played and essentially beaten the game, not beaten one hundred percent, but essentially beaten it. Um, I can tell you that sitting here beside you, like if you get stuck, I just have to sit there and watch you get stuck, because if you if, like if you are told the solution to one puzzle you're fucked yeah because what each puzzle does the, the the reason i this is one of my favorite games of the year and the reason it is so beautifully crafted is because each subsequent puzzle teaches you a different thing about how this type of puzzle works mm-hmm. so that later on whether in this area or somewhere else towards the end game you will come across the most difficult version of that puzzle and you will have need to have beaten by yourself all previous incarnations of that puzzle to understand how that puzzle works. I think it is it like it is as much about learning as it is about beating. I would definitely be sitting down with a notepad and a pen. Notepad, you'll be screenshotting away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really good. I do want to sit down and play. It. Like having sat down and watched you played it for a bit, yeah. it has my attention. Any day, my friend. Like I have it. You know, you don't need to buy it. I guess we're gonna have to do that. Aren't we? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, hey, that's... look, if we can't stream uh, a, a certain other game that we're going to be talking about, yeah, that's uh, true. So when might is, be an idea. When is that? Oh, I'm just going to type. It's it. already out on PlayStation. Is it? No, yeah. no, Xbox One. 
Oh, on Xbox One? I think it is out now. Uh, launched two days ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, two days ago. So, uh, yeah, go and grab it. Yeah, That's do. How much is it on Xbox One now? I know it was €40 Euro at launch on uh, PlayStation. Let me have a look for I'm not going to go to Forbes. Because people went crazy about it being a smaller, I, yeah, but smaller game for €40. Quid. Crazy about everything because yeah. they're insane. Uh, you can grab the witness uh, the game costs $40 and will take up around 4.23 gigabytes on your hard drive hmm. so uh, $40 it's a small game it's it's gorgeous looking though yeah well you know it's 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 the one it island is, it is as you might expect from the man himself Jonathan Blow it is a bit pretentious yes um, but it's it's a very kind of sterile environment which kind of helps to- with the overall kind of clean presentation yeah, to me it's the it might be the best and most unique proper hardcore puzzle game since portal 2 yeah yeah because i can't think of one on consoles that um b- b- that b- b- i love no because when you think of puzzle games you usually think of smaller pick cross and stuff like yeah, that yeah that kind of stuff so. but uh this is a if for a puzzle game and it is fucking hard as coffin nails like mm. it is really really tough um, it's it's pretty good. It's very very challenging and not forgiving at all. Cool. Two words I never thought I would say again in my life. Vita news. <laughs> a faint pulse has been detected from a handheld I love so dearly, but has been treated so poorly. Yeah. So the Tokyo Game Show uh, was the other day, and basically, well, uh, it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? The but the uh, the, the well, conference, the, the conference, yeah, 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 the conference. I should have said uh, the Sony conference. Uh, basically, uh, the handheld is still alive and kicking in Japan. Uh, and they showed off two uh, new hardware colours for the 1st of December in grey and metallic red. Uh, they also showed a couple of upcoming games, including Saga, Scarlet Grace, uh, which is a game by Square, uh, Danganronpa V3? Danganronpa. Danganronpa. I've, okay, that's a game. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then... You know the game um, Vita Trigger Happy Havoc? No, no idea. Have you ever seen the picture of like the, the bear that's both black and white at the same time? No. Okay. Okay. And uh... Your boy Colin Moriarty will be yeah. ashamed oh, okay. at you. It's one of his favourite Vita games. Okay, see, so I don't that's listen... That's the only reason I know how it's pronounced. I was going to say, I don't listen to... Um... That's that's PS, your first, PS, well that is your you, first mistake. Yeah, like, there's only so many fucking hours in the day, all right, and I have to spend at least half because you're so stuff. busy playing Twilight Princess, Stardew Valley. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, so apparently these are just going to be in Japan. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, well, I, I don't know whether it's a case of everyone said, "Well, the Vita's dead," and Sony went, "Well, fuck you. Here are some new Vitas." I'll show you dead. <clears throat> Yeah, what do you make of this? Dead like a fox. What what do you what do you what do you fucking weird? (laughs) It's so weird. Um, Because everyone thought that okay, when the certain extent, I'm like, just let it die. When when the PS4 came along, trying to make Vita happen, it's never going to happen. Yeah, everyone was thinking that oh yeah, we'll definitely get this kind of synchronization now between the PS4 and the Vita, and get this kind of full on experience. And everyone just went nah, nah, there's just nothing there. Yeah, um, I love the Vita. I've gone on record. I'm a citizen of Vita Island. Um, it's my portable th- PS1 console. I think it is a beautifully designed and incredibly powerful handheld device mm-hmm. um, that when there are games that are designed specifically for it or there's a port that has been lovingly crafted for it, I think it excels. I think it is my favourite way to play things like Shovel Knight and Fez and a few other games like that. I find that the Wii U 
is my way yeah. preferred way to play them. Wow, well, look, that's yeah to each their own. Yeah, I I think the biggest problem has been that there's just in terms of games specific for the Vita, there's just nothing there. Like I played Guaca. Guacamelee on it, but I'd already played it on the PS. Well, this is the, the problem. Well one well. of the problems that killed it was just that exclusives never stayed exclusive. No, you know what I mean. Like Guacamelee is being ported, uh, Gravity Rush has been ported, and the sequel isn't even coming to Vita. No, I know, right? Yeah. Um, um, so you want, but you know, there's a reason that the Pokemon games are specifically on the handheld yeah. devices. Yeah, uh, there are reportedly. I never played them, but uh, perfectly serviceable Uncharted and Killzone games on it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess there's Persona as well. Persona, yeah, Persona 4 Golden in yeah. particular. This, boy, people love Persona 4 Golden, let me tell you. I have that, and I've never started it. Yeah, well, it is it is always daunting, I find, to start a game that people have spent hundreds of hours on. I've put 140 hours into Stardew Valley. I have no excuse. You're a nightmare person. <sighs> but the cows are so good. Let's go into the exact opposite of Konami Corner. Let's go to Kojima Corner. Let's see what that man is doing with his newfound and well-deserved freedom. It's all bright and shiny and slightly chrome and metallic all at the same time. Oh my word, Hideo Kojima. He's doing things. Getting loose-lipped about Death Stranding again. We're Mm. we're hearing some details now and fantastically, and I, I suspected this was the case, not necessarily the genre, but one detail about this I definitely suspected... Uh, we have found out that Death Stranding will be an open world action game. I thought, based on how much fun he clearly had at the early stages before it got too Konami for him. <laughs> yeah. The early stages of fun he had designing the world that Metal Gear Solid Five is in. That open world was something that once he got the taste for, he wasn't going back. Uh, I seem to have been vindicated on that uh, that opinion. Uh, I'm high about that. Action game is strange-ish, I suppose. Well, I mean... Because I thought it was going to be maybe open-world horror again. Now, there's nothing to say that horror isn't uh, no, a key theme be. here. Could yeah. very well be. But, like, MGS a bit for and like MGS five from what I have seen of it is is borderline an action game at this point. Yeah. Oh Always. yeah. Well, the actual the thrust of Metal Gear Solid Five is definitely an action a third person action game, uh, but also has elements of horror. Like the prologue to that game, the chapter one in the hospital is straight up horror. And as I said on the podcast at the time, it makes me very very sad. We'll never get Silent Hills because it just showed what he could do. Yeah. And you know the the teaser trailer, whatever that has that is significant oh, to the game. Oh, that music was um, that, that song still was you know had a, a kind of psychological thrillerish horrorish element. Surreal. Kind yeah, of, very yeah, surreal. Sci-fi. So it it was all the things other than the, the open world bit. It was everything you would expect Kojima without a leash to be interested it was in. Fucking mental. Yeah. Um. So lo- looking forward to that. There's not really a lot more on that. That game is three, maybe four years away. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm going to be in my 30s when that comes out. Yeah. That is a fucking depressing state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, at this rate, you may be... Uh... Let's just not. <laughs> Let's just not. Whatever. Then that sentence it wasn't going to be good for you. Matter. Doesn't matter. Fair enough. Um, we got some news on the strength of pre-orders for the PS4 Pro. It's, it's going well at the moment, according to Video Gamer here. Sony will ship a significant amount of PS4 Pro stock to the UK at launch and through Christmas, though I uh, can't be sure if that will be enough. Speaking to MCV about PS4 Pro stock levels, Global Head of Marketing and Sales, Jim Ryan, said, uh, I've been told just before we had this conversation that pre-orders in the UK are looking pretty good. I can't give you the numbers yet, but I'm pleasantly surprised. 
We will have a significant amount of stock at launch and then through Christmas. I can't tell you whether that's enough, but I remember we had a similar conversation about PSVR and I couldn't answer that one either. Yeah, I, I keep trying to find a hot take to have on this, but it's just such an unknown quantity that I'm... I And so I say the, this as this is a podcast where I'm going to have opinions. I don't have any opinions because I just the, don't know what to expect. Well, you see, the thing about it is like the PS4 Pro is coming out and I can understand why the pre-orders are significant because, because this is coming out at the original price point of the PS4 at launch... People who are going to spend three fifty anyway on a normal PS4 might be tempted to just go. I might as well put in the extra fifty quid and get the True. the proper top line. Yeah, I, I get that. You know what I mean? Like fifty quid is not that much of a price point difference between the basic model and the super deluxe model. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's clever in that way. How um, much was the slim again? The slim is going to be two two nine nine two nine nine two nine nine. I think there's going to be a three fifty skew for a terabyte hard drive. Yeah. Uh, if I recall correctly, yeah, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I'm interested to see what they say between now and then. Um, what they have, kind of, to coincide with what it, when it's released. Um, I'm gonna do uh, an article. I'm gonna do a piece, kind of looking into the announcement and just 4K in general because I remember. Um, I was working at Tesco, um, would have been about a year and a half ago now, uh, and I was only there for, for a few months because it was around about the time that Tesco went, oh, we're about four billion in the red, um, which was, you know, comforting. Um, but one of the things I was tasked with doing, so I was on their merchandising section, and uh, my manager was like, look, I need you to make some advertising and banners around 4K. And I went, what do you want me to say? It's like, I don't know. I need you to find out for me. But I know you can't say this, that, and that. Okay, that's that's fucking helpful. Um, it was like, you also can't use a gold scheme. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I was like, what the fuck can I do then? <laughs> and it became a bit of a pain because I, it, you had to be very careful with the wording. And I still think this is the case now. Because when you say it can run 4k natively what does that mean yeah because um, well, it's like how we came to having the distinction in the last generation of televisions between um hd tv and hd ready yes that i imagine yeah, it's, a, it's a similar it's a very similar thing because yeah. what is 4k could really just mean 4k upscaling yeah and that is a completely different thing mm-hmm. um and i imagine there could be a fair few people it's just a presumption there's a fair few people that have made pre-orders for a ps4 pro that don't realize this not saying there could yeah. there be many but there's bound to be at least more than one i would presume <laughs> um it will be very interesting to see actually the the what coincides in terms of ps4 pro pre-orders or sales and 4k tvs uh around the christmas period that'll yeah. be very interesting to see yeah, well, like, it's interesting how some of these things can drive the sales of another technology. Like, uh, yeah. PS3 is largely responsible for the success and growth of Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. Um, Like, I don't think Blu-ray would have the... I wouldn't say ubiquity because DVD is still strong. But now, like, when you go into shops, the DVD is right beside the Blu-ray, as opposed to back in the day where there'd be a small Blu-ray section and then the rest is all DVDs. It's about yeah, half yeah. and half now in most yeah. shops. Um, I'm... It's still too early to say because... Yeah, it's still too early to say, like, is 4K just another, um, like, curved TV kind of situational 3D TV? Everyone... I think it has a better shot than curved TV. Um... Well, it's it's less hassle than a 3D TV. 
And um, yeah, and generally historically, people are able to come to grips with the concept of better resolution than they are gimmicks. Yes, you know? and I will say this: like, I'm not against the concept of 4K. I can't be fucked with it. I don't. Ha- I don't need it right now. But it's fair to say that I wouldn't classify this as a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, I just think it is uh, companies, you know, chasing falling over themselves trying to get to like the next big thing it's like oh hd is here let's move on to 4k yeah. well it's moore's law technology either yeah. gets like half the price twice the speed uh or half the size every 18 months a more eloquent way of, of what i was trying to say there so yeah. thank you huh, no bother uh national video game foundation is a thing that has been launched by industry veterans uh this comes from uh, mcv a new not-for-profit body designed to celebrate, preserve, and interpret video games for everyone has been launched in Nottingham. The National Video Game Foundation is based in the acclaimed National Video Game Arcade in Nottingham's creative quarter and has four main focuses, events, heritage, education, and policymaking. Essentially, it wishes to preserve and promote video gaming's cultural impact. It will also be the new driving force behind the annual Game City Festival. Yeah, uh, Nottingham has become one of the kind of key cities uh, when it comes to uh, like British games festivals. Mm. Um, I think i want to say like maybe dundee in scotland is one place and then obviously london um and then i think brighton may have something as well but nottingham is a place where there's a lot going on um it's yeah it's just i saw this and it's like another kind of sign that uh, video games are getting to a point where they are treated as an equal medium to film music arts yeah well there's been a grassroots campaign for a long time to persuade the u.s government to keep like a record of video games at like the smithsonian and things like that because there are certain like i don't know for anybody that isn't too inside baseball on this kind of stuff but like the way in which older video games and arcade cabinets and stuff are made um the a lot of the materials aren't built to last so when a certain like certain cartridges or certain boards once we run out of those the games don't exist there are no copies of certain games yeah. that are preserved and like because we already have there are certain games that just don't exist anymore um, and there's certain games they have tried to make sure don't exist anymore like et yeah um <laughs> but that's the big thing around emulation you know that's the big argument yeah, around that that's yeah but that yeah that's the um kind of like that's the the, the the white knighting side of emulation is that we're preserving video game history when no one else is bothered so yeah. i think this is a massive kind mm. of uh great thing because video games are definitely like within our lifetimes we're seeing it's becoming like on equal footing with, with any other form of media or artistic expression um it still has a few kind of kinks to iron out on the latter in particular but certainly it is mainly half the fan base certainly it is on a but like fucking movie fans you know i still don't think they're as bad as uh, look video game fans <laughs> yeah you frequent uh areas that deal with more one more than the other i suppose so yeah you have a right to uh i i can't imagine there are people that are citizen kane fans that are going out and harassing well no because they're generally in their 80s yeah <laughs> uh, i'm a massive fan of that movie but you know it's uh it's an olden i love it yeah. um but yeah, I'm massively in favor of this. Um, like I said, it is becoming a really like key part of popular culture. You know, the fact that the likes of Call of Duty um, sell better than most movies in a given year. The fact that GTA 5... Is still in the top five fucking um, set games of the week. 
uh, for mm. how long has that been now? Just nearly a full year. Uh, it's mental. G- or, oh, you mean GTA? GTA 5, yeah. Oh, GTA came out in October 2013. And it's still, yeah, like yeah. top five. Um, but the GTA 13 in its launch window uh, outgrossed every other form of entertainment in that year, including Call of Duty. And that's like all movies, TVs, books, yeah. you know. Um, so it is, It, it people need to take note and speaking as a historian these things do need to be preserved yes and i'm glad that somebody's doing it in a very formal way i think it's certainly more for like um stuff like pinball machines and arcade cabinets that's kind of going to be the the key thing Mm. um because i remember being a wee nipper going to my local swimming pool playing metal slug Mm. it's a great time everything as well like the the techniques to how games were made uh, there's an importance to preserving that as well You know, to be fair, I think Gerstmann owns like half the pinball machines in California. So damn right, doing him. the doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Um, Games Media Awards have announced their finalists. We've been snubbed again. <laughs> Next when year. Lord, when? Next year. Um, how do you want to do this? Will I just? I'll go through them. Will I just? Uh... Um, well, I'm just trying to like because I went through it and I, I was trying to see if there was anyone of uh, notes. Um, uh, this is a uh, this is a UK based awards. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to see your your general IGNs. To be fair, like uh, there I, are a, there, I, well, yeah, there are IGN a couple too. of categories here that that um that that are international. But uh, IGN, I, the IGN here will be specifically referring to the IGN the, UK yes. team, who what, are very good. What cracks like me them. up uh, when I whenever I think about the Games Media Awards now, the first thing I think of was Is Miller dresses Randy Savage. Besides that, the shitstorm from a couple of years ago. Um, do you remember? Kind of what actually ended up being the uh, catalyst for what we now know as Gamergate was um, your one who was working at MCV, uh, what was her name, Lauren Wainwright, because I was actually trying to get a job there at the time. Uh, Basically, she had uh, tweeted out, um, I think it was, I want to say Square Enix... um, Yeah, no, yeah, they they were publishing Tomb Raider. They published Tomb Raider, isn't it? Is it Square Enix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were saying, hashtag tweet this to uh, win a PS3 and a copy of Tomb Raider. And um, that kind of spiraled out. There was a guy um, whose name I can't remember who was working, working for Eurogamer at the time. He kind of called her out on it. He ended up getting fired from that position. Um, and then, you know, what we now know as like ethics in games, journalism, quote unquote, all kind of stems from that. And it all kind of stems from do, this, basically. Do you know what my whole thing about the, my, my instantaneous shutdown to a lot of people when they start talking about it's about ethics in games, journalism? What is it? I will say to them, where were you in 2008 when GameSpot fired Jeff Gersman? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Some of those people were there, and interestingly enough, those people aren't the ones giving out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They aren't the ones going crazy. Like, the one time it was about ethics in video game journalism, the one guy, someone tried to stop that shit and got fired for it. These piss babies were, I don't know where they were. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> and it does crack me up when... Uh, I don't want to turn this into Gamergate bashing now. No, 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 no. Um, I'm trying to think of a Gersman example. I can't throw my head, but I was looking at the game's spot reviews for recall and they gave it a six out of ten and immediately someone was like well, you go gave no man's sky seven out of ten i was just like you don't understand how reviews work i mentioned and we'll be plugging it towards the end i mentioned uh re- how reviews are okay not necessarily you know gospel yeah. like you know I mean, they're subjective it's an art form. um fucking like one man's trash is another man's treasure gusman is, is he he's an enigma though infinite five out of five 
Majora's Mask worst game ever. Oh <laughs> Rum hack. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Media Wars 2016. Yeah, um, so it celebrates the kind of the UK-based uh, games journalists. Um, a couple of notable ones here. Um, Eurogamer up for a few. I think Eurogamer's uh, coverage is pretty They're great. Pretty much spot on. Um, I wouldn't know a lot about there's a lot of PC games people here that I just would not know a lot uh, I'm not I could a PC gamer tell you uh, PC gamer are very good I haven't really... oh, yeah, I assume they are very good but I couldn't like go this one particular guy because I wouldn't read any of them as well uh, Andy Kelly is pretty solid he is the one that does the uh, other places series although I don't know if he's actually any, up for anything this year not that I can see um, uh, Chris Schilling uh, he his stuff I enjoy Ollie Welsh I, I enjoy li- his stuff as well I like Joe Scrabble's at IGN yeah um, um, this is in the that's in the news writer category. Absolutely gutted. Dave Scammell isn't in there from yeah, Video no. Gamer. That's that's a bit of a an an oversight, I think. Um, you want to talk about you go to YouTuber, which evidently, oh no, it must be people who live in the UK because I was gonna say well PewDiePie, but PewDiePie lives he in lives Brighton. Brighton so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's basically one of us at this point. Yeah, he's the he's the only one on that list. I think. I, oh no, I know of Ali A. Uh, but apart from the rest, I don't know. I will be curious to go on these and see how many are just FIFA Ultimate Team Pack opening type videos. And there's a lot of people that do that. Um, and then I think the only other one I noticed was oh, Rising Star, uh, Alice Bell. Yeah, good yeah. for her. At Baby Got Bell on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, vote for her, people. We're not saying this because we're just biased for video gamer, but you know, I I am biased towards good writing and video games. Well, yes, you know what I mean. Um, um, so yeah, that's pretty much. Go that. check, the, go check that out. Just if you Google your Games Media Awards 2016 finalist, uh, the people you like might be in there. Clearly, we we need to uh, up our content. Oh, actually, I'll say this: uh, one of the the video team um, oh, nominees oh, there right. is uh, God is a Geek, who yeah. actually don't get that many views, but their content is actually pretty good, like really well put together. Mm. Uh, so I'm kind of happy to see them on there, and it, it's good motivation for for us. I think if we Little guy. if we uh, I don't know, do something good. <laughs> yeah whenever that happens whenever that happens um moving on anyway uh open the wrong thing there wait uh microsoft <laughs> this is a great story this is fucking incredible this is a great how did it take this long to come out uh, because whoever um got the xbox just didn't say anything and this is like the original not the not the slim that's coming out soon no, this is just the original model. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 2013. It, it was two months before the Xbox One was yeah. announced. So a man in Miami uh, ordered a new laptop, I believe, yes. from Microsoft. Yeah. And they accidentally shipped him an Xbox One two months before they even confirmed the console existed. Yep. How the fuck does that happen? Uh, have you read down more to see... Uh, Although this is rest? like this is right on a par with the fact that about a month ago, people were finding PS4 Slims in CEXs. Yeah. Um... But on top of that as well, I don't know if it's in this... No, it's not in this one. Um, but basically, oh, I'm trying to remember the gist of it. But he... Um, yeah, he had the Xbox One and he messaged Microsoft and went, uh, I have an Xbox One here, what the fuck? So they went to um, him um, but went to his house basically and said, "Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have that back, please." And I think they gave him like a an Xbox 360 Elite and a Connect, which <laughs> you know, great, awesome. Um, and I can't remember which side of it, but I, I think he might have contacted um, 
some news press and i think they went to microsoft and said what the fuck and so microsoft went look don't sell anyone about this but what down the line um <coughs> we'll give you the scoop on something else yeah uh, to try and keep them sweet um so yeah again ethics and games journalism i can't remember the exact details i should have read more or got the correct article apologize for that um but fucking hell it's <laughs> people are just, just i don't know how i don't know how that mix-up happens i hey uh, I, I don't know what can you do um recore has come out a game we've talked about for a while a game that has come to you from the minds behind Mega Man and metroid prime a rough year isn't he yeah, Inafune, the, the alleged mastermind of Mega Man and the team that brought you Metroid Prime, which uh, was a book club on this uh, very early on on this podcast. Certainly was. Um, and it's come out and uh, it's not very good, apparently. It's very middle of the road. Yeah, it's it's not even that it's not very good. It's um, but the, it, it's not even the 7 out of 10 of the year. It's, it's uh, yeah, from what I'm seeing, it's like there are elements of it that are good, but it suffers Apparently from... Apparently it starts off very well it, and then just tumbles down. It suffers from a mixture of heavy repetition and a uh, catastrophe of glitches and bugs. Um, but apparently, according to GameSpot, they were bought off by Sony to review it poorly. So, you know, <laughs> um, hey... It's all about ethics, enough. Fuck's sake. Um, you, yeah, it seems very middle of the road. No, no. Uh, this is one that I think some sort of sale down the line when the bugs are eventually fixed, probably. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I to... want to play it. Just, it'll be inter- I'm in... not in a hurry now. Yeah. Uh, once they kind of fix it up, um, although to be fair, this, from this... some of the reviews, it's kind of even with the bugs and whatnot, it's just it's it suffers from repetition. It, and... th- this doesn't feel like when Rise of the Tomb Raider came out, and I start reading reviews, and I'm like, son of a bitch, I have to play this now. No, <laughs> no, uh, no. This is the exact opposite of that. Um, oh, fuck. This next story really puts a spanner in the works of our plans if this continues past this week. Correction, your plans. Uh, yeah. Bioshock the Collection, apparently not streamable on Xbox One or PlayStation 4. As in from Thursday, it was impossible to natively stream any part of Bioshock the Collection. There are games, uh, many games, who stop you from broadcasting certain cutscenes. They go to the, the standard... Square Circle Triangle X yep. that if you'd quit out into your own menu you'd see on a stream you've yeah, seen I mean, it on ours sometimes it, it does it on certain bits um, as well like where the passwords UFC are pretty per- pervasive with them where they just do it during random loading screens well it, that could it could be either a licensing thing or it could be uh, like passwords that sort of stuff mm. so in some places it's yeah fair enough um, but this is total blackout yeah. not being able to stream um, the closest we've gotten to an answer right now because 2K haven't made an official comment on it there's a post from a 2K employee on one of the 2K boards saying that uh, currently streaming is unavailable for these games and we will update here if that situation changes. Yeah, because it's not been released worldwide at the moment. No, so... it is North America. It came out in sh- on Tuesday. Europe and everywhere else is tomorrow as we're recording this Friday, the yeah. 16th. But I would find that to be more reasonable for uh, a, an original IP. You know, something that's a remaster. Yeah, that's like I, I would. Yeah, I. <sighs> And not that I'd be okay with it, because I think at a certain point, it's like, if you're fucking hopping into a stream, you're an idiot if you don't think there's going to be spoilers. I can sort of somewhat understand the mindset if people are saying, well, we don't want to stream for the first week. We don't want it ruined, because there are some very substantial story twists happening in those Bioshock games. However, the original Bioshock is nearly a decade old. Yeah. <laughs> Bioshock Infinite 
is three and a half years old. And to be fair... The, the cat's out of the fucking bag. And to be fair, the twist in that is so fucking convoluted, it won't matter if you see it or not beforehand anyway. This is the guy getting his digs in there for infinite. Oh, dang. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really, like, in this day and age, like, it's something that I don't think would bother me half as much if it wasn't for the fact that we, we do stream games. But, uh, at the same time, I think it would sort of annoy me on the behalf of people knowing that there's a functionality that other games have that for pretty much no discernible reason this yeah. game doesn't. But, I mean, there is as many people that will just, um plug their ps4 into the capture box and just stream it over twitch yeah through you know scuppers us because we don't have a capture box yet. yeah yeah so yeah, it's it's mainly just us friday plays maybe a bit ad hoc this week yeah you still got no man's sky you're still good no i mean i'm hitting the grind wall for a while i'd have to go and play it for like two hours tonight to make it exciting i was gonna say how are you feeling about no man's sky no no i'm still fine playing it but i realize like the minute to minute gameplay unless i set things up is not suitable for streaming there's a you know what i mean i'm still happy to mine away listening to podcasts do you know what no man's sky is it's the kind of game you can stream or it's like can... minecraft yeah you can put videos up but it's the real it's the kind of thing you where you really need to go in and edit the video to make it to get all the yeah good yeah points. or set your things in a row so that you're ready to do the exciting yeah, things yeah, as soon yeah. as you hit record that's yeah. exactly what it is it's not conducive for just like a constant stream on, on ps4 no no, no no well, i don't think so anyway no. but there are others who may disagree um final news story danny o'dwyer formerly of GameSpot, uh what are you boys an irish man Waterford's own Danny O'Dwyer has gone out on his own and we talked about how important it is to preserve gaming culture the history of video games he has gone on to Patreon he is a man who uh, his series was The Point wasn't it yes. on GameSpot yep. he was basically the catch all host and uh, of most things apart from I think their news program mm. on uh, on GameSpot's American side of things and he, as he points out in his video, became very, very well known within GameSpot for being able to record things and turn them around into fully produced uh, videos very quickly. Yeah, which is crazy, like, so, what he can do. So he launched a Patreon, and his what he's doing is he's creating short-form and some long-form video game documentaries about all sorts of different things. He hasn't said specifically what, because obviously he needs to get his funding first and then set about it. But he left his job in GameSpot, which he had tried to get since he was a teenager, to do this because he thinks this is an important thing to do. It's up at patreon.com forward slash Danny O'Dwyer. Throw in your few shekels there if you want to well, start. to be fair, you don't really need to at this point. <laughs> no, but what I mean to get in and have a look. Yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to actually get the documentaries. Um, he uh, His videos supreme quality yeah um everything he had done with get the point was one of my favorite watches of the week uh whenever the it was in season and not on hiatus um he put a stretch goal of um i think his 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 upper limit was 15 grand yeah the end target was fifteen thousand, and he hit that within about a day yes um, now he's up to there's a stretch goal of 20,000 oh yeah where, I think he's added a new one yeah it's he's going to do a weekly podcast oh Jesus if yeah. he hits 20,000 he needed the 15,000 per month pledge so that he could buy all the equipment all that the equipment. he can do these things and turn them around very quickly and pay for his transport yes because he intends to go like this isn't going to be him sitting in San Francisco no 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 I mean at this point he'll be able to buy his own fucking plane I believe yeah you said that to him on Twitter yeah, that, <laughs> yeah he's um He's a great lad. He's generally he's he's one of the the nice guys, sincere guys in video game journalism. Wish him all the best. Um, if you're someone who does the Patreon thing, 
if you like to throw a few shekels behind the people you support, uh, we would definitely recommend him. I and think. his Don Bradman uh, video on Giant Bomb is one of the oh, highlights. what's up, Donny B? Yeah, there might be more for Gersman. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really like excited to see this. Um, there aren't enough great video game documentaries. No, and because the, the thing I was trying to get into can I, can I tell you the two my my wish list? Yeah, before, sure. Before you get in, yeah. the two on my wish list, and I'm I'm aware that at least one of these the there is almost certainly no chance of have ever happening. Mm-hmm. At least not until everyone involved is long since dead. And that one is what happened with Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> <laughs> You will uh, never and Silent Hills never know the Kojima debacle. You will you know never. I mean? Well, you ever. might get one where he's interviewing Kojima and you get like the muffled voices with the shadows. Yeah. You know, employee number twenty. Because which like, I think is what Konami officially calls them anyway. Uh, now at this point, because like let's be honest, Kojima is probably wrapped under whatever disclaimer. There is an airtight NDA. Yeah. Um, but the other one, the one I really, I think in terms of like the kind of the, like the death of WCW, kind of like how the fuck did this ever happen was what was happening at 3D Realms for a decade and a half when they were making Duke Nukem Forever. There is a great video that is probably very hard to find because the entire series has been taken off the Escapist website, but the Escapist used to do a video game uh, sketch series called D-Res by uh-huh. a guy from Northern Ireland. And uh, they did a two-part one that was a documentary inside 3D Realms, and it is Man. utterly fantastic. But I just... That is like the Chinese democracy of video games, oh, yeah. that one. I oh, also... Yeah. Oh, actually, the, what happened with Fumito Ueda and Last Guardian over the last 10 years. Yeah. How did a PS2 game become a PS4 game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he... Uh, Danny Odoi, he's... Uh, he. If you want to kind of see some of his work, um, watch his documentary on uh, when he went to visit... Uh, Project, CD Project Red. CD Project Red. Yeah. Never say that correctly. On the Witcher Free, um, even for a game I have no interest in, that was very fascinating. Uh, it's he, a great game. Yeah, he's kind of doing something similar to what I wanted to do, um, and I had started to do this with uh, Analog Stick, where I kind of wanted to take a little bit of that with um, kind of like the Art of Wrestling, Cole Cabana series, where mm. I just got indie devs or whoever I could get on to just kind of tell their story. Uh, and I still, at some point, would like to do something with that. Um, well, look, we got the platform. Just need to get the name out there, get the branding out there. Um, Strong personal brand. Yeah, I, I might start sending out some some emails. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to because we don't yeah we don't really have anything certainly in kind of video format like this, and certainly at the moment because there are documentaries kind of going way back, but a lot of them are just kind of making us by the studio themselves. The, pro- the first modern proper. Um, like expensive documentary I've seen in a video game that wasn't made as part of an extra on a disc. Indie game, the movie. There's that. Uh, that was yeah. There was two. Sorry, indie game, the movie, and the one about ET. And yes, yes, yeah, which is really good. Um, and then- has the incredibly bizarre scene of Ernie Klein, author of Ready Player One, saying that he was going to make the journey to the desert to watch the excavation, and saying, but first he had to stop off to get his DeLorean from George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Yeah, there's that, and I've never seen it. The um, oh, fucking King of Kong. I was gonna say that was I've never seen that. Still. You have never seen no, King of Kong. We've had this conversation. Mother of God, right? Yeah, okay, I know. Okay, yeah. I, I, I know, I know. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then there's obviously pixels as well, but you know, fuck that. Documentary <laughs> pixels. <laughs> that was better. One of documentary the... is that episode of Futurama where space invaders invade. Yes, that's a great episode. That's a great. Episode. Um, Increase yeah. speed, reverse direction. That was one of the last 
uh, it was one of the last uh, classes I had with my students. Um, they wanted to watch Pixels, so it was bad enough that I had to um, watch that film, but I had to watch it with. Uh, I think it was dubbed. It was yeah, it was dubbed. Um, well, at least you don't have to listen to them then. Um, okay, bad, bad, so that's bad, bad, bad. that's uh, support Daniel Dwyer, basically. Yeah, <laughs> what we're saying. If that's your bag. Um, That wraps up the news for this week. And we're going to move on to the book club. And this week, we're going into deep into Mark Robinson territory here. Come join us as we are flung headlong into a volcano as we talk Tekken. fighting video game franchise created, developed, and published by Namco, later Bandai Namco Entertainment, uh, beginning with the original Tekken in 1994. Just to emphasize, we're going to be talking about the original 3 for the PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. Uh, The series has received several sequels, as well as updates and spin-off titles. Uh, Tekken was one of the first fighting games at the time to use 3D animation. Uh, the series has also been adapted into free films and other media. Uh, basically, the premise of each game in the main series documents the events of the King of Iron Fist tournament hosted by the M- Mishima uh, Zaibatsu Corporation. Uh, the prize is typically control of the company, which then allows the winner to host a following tournament. It's basically a pro wrestling storyline. Uh, after beating the game of each character, an ending cutscene is unlocked, and usually one of the endings from each game becomes the continuation of the story into a following installment. Uh, the story is largely revolved around the Mishima clan curse, which began narratively with Heihachi Mishima throwing his son, Kazuya Mishima, off from a cliff when he was five years old. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, Vince McMahon has had inspiration from this, I'm telling you. Uh, Kazuya was nearly killed from the fall, but through the influence of the Devil Gene, he survived and swore revenge to his father by the time of the King of Iron Fist tournament. The second game and its sequel were considered breakthrough titles and among the greatest games of all time. You're fucking right they are. The latter also became the second best-selling fighting game to date. The series itself is the best-selling fighting game franchise in history, even beating Street Fighter 2. And four and five. Disclaimer right up front. Go for it. Not a fighting game guy. That's fine. We talked about it before. Yep. Uh, I sometimes get involved in the Mortal Kombat narrative when they have a reasonably crazy story. Yep. And um, I liked Injustice. And apart from that, the closest I come to a fighter that I play a lot is Smash. Yeah. So this is not my bag. 
funny story is that Tekken, the original Tekken, is the first PlayStation game I ever played. Um, it was fine. You know, like it's, I like I find myself like I know it's a ma- it's it's between that and driving simulators. Like I know these are massive communities that people get really passionate about, but I just can't. Yeah, do but it. one of them is boring, and one of them's awesome. <laughs> and they would say the same of you, yeah. my friend. Um, <clears throat> fighting games, yeah, because there's a certain amount of repetitiveness and uh, and kind of uh, learning very specific command prompts which never really held my interest. Um, and the fact that, generally speaking, if someone at a party wanted to take out a fighting game, it was because they almost certainly knew that they would wipe the floor with everybody, so it was never any fun. Hi. Yes. Yeah. That's you with Mario Kart, my friend. And Tekken. So what I want <laughs> you to do here in this feature is I want you to... Um, take the reins. To, to, well, no, it's more to educate me. Sure. Right. Um, a, a man throws another man off a cliff into a volcano. I mean... Talk to me first about your uh, your affair with yeah. Tekken. Where does it begin? Okay. What got, what was it, apart from throwing people into volcanoes, got its hooks in you? Talk to me. Okay. So I had played fighting games before Tekken. Um, I, when I was, so this would have been 93, 94, uh, Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat 2 were my jam. Yeah. Um, most days I would go round to my friend Joe Richardson uh, he had a copy of both games or my childminder and her kids uh, and we would play Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat 2 and have a really fun time uh, a few years later um, I was very much into my games at this point I would get my hands on a Playstation 1 um, long story short sometime into having my Playstation 1 um I had my Mega Drive, my Super Nintendo, my NES. Uh, don't think there was anything else. I had all of that stolen, basically. Well, yeah. air quotes stolen, air quotes my mum probably sold them off for drug money, but that's, you know, whatever. It's, it's all just gone very dark here. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Moving all, on to the volcanoes. So we're all having a confessional moment here. Um, so I ended up only having two games for a while. Yeah. One of them was Worms. Which in itself should be a, a, a book club series when I think about it. And the other was Tekken 2. So for about, I want to say a year to two years, I can't remember exactly, um, I played a lot of Tekken 2. Uh, to the point that I can go years at a time and I can still remember a 10 hit combination for Yoshimatsu. Yoshihatsu. Yoshimitsu. There we go. There you go. <laughs> I can remember the combination, can't remember his name. For Yoshitatsu. For Yoshitatsu, there you go. <laughs> a bullet club hunter. Um... There were a couple of 3D game uh, fighting games at the time that had come out because this is around the time when 3D games were becoming more apparent. Uh, the ones that I remember, uh, there was Battle Arena to Shidem, which was a kind of more weapons-based one, a weapons-based one, sorry, uh, with the ability that you could knock your opponent out of a ring as well. Uh, I remember playing that on one of the original arcade, uh, one of the original demo discs. Yeah. I think it might have been demo disc number one, actually. I think it was that and Tomb Raider and Crash Bandicoot. One of the first couple. And I enjoyed it. That was about it. Uh, There was Bloody Raw, uh, which was a fighting game where each character uh, could turn into an animal. Uh, Literally, they had their own spirit animal. Mm. Um, And, you know, I enjoyed the gimmick of that, but it didn't kind of grab me. Um, I remember there was Virtual Fighter, and up until... I, I never played five but i feel that the first two virtual fighters because i remember playing um my friend on his sega saturn time 
Uh, I thought they they were, and they are still massively overrated. Uh, the characters control like their um, gravity doesn't exist. You know, you jump and you float in the air over your opponent, and they're a bit slow and a little bit unwieldy. What grabbed me about Tekken, um, and what kind of holds my interest certainly over something like Street Fighter, is that the face buttons are assigned to a different limb. So you've got right limb, left leg, uh, right leg, left leg, right arm, left arm, uh, and then I would map the shoulder buttons accordingly to like the two strong attacks and the grapple attacks. Where uh, Street Fighter and a lot of the SNK games, as far as I'm aware, are more like light attack, heavy attack, blah blah blah. Uh, each of the characters felt unique. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat certainly didn't have that because. It, they were all kind of based off of one mechanic, and then it was just different combinations of moves and projectiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Street Fighter Two kind of had a, a little bit more where characters had their own feel, but when it came to Tekken, I really felt like I'd found the the fighting game that kind of suited my style the most. It was a little bit slower and a little bit more methodical. It was the Randy Orton of fighting games, if you will, um, but it was responsive still. You know, Street Fighter 2 had that kind of pure arcade responsive, very, very quick sort of style. Yeah. Where Tekken, you could kind of really take your time and kind of map out how you wanted the fight to go. Is is that perhaps part of what, because um, I know of the big three, Tekken is definitely the, the, the kind of the, the underdog, shall we say, broadly speaking, because I think... Mortal Kombat is so shocking that it steals a lot of headlines and Street Fighter seems to be the ubiquitous favourite. Um, I think, I wouldn't say underdog, like, you have to remember that f- during the time where um, Tekken was at its prominence, Mortal Kombat was garbage, you mm. know, because that made the ugly transition into uh, 3D with Mortal Kombat 4 and then was pretty much awful up until the reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was purely living on the gimmick. You know, by the time Tekken 2 and then certainly by the time Tekken 3 came around, they were up there because I felt like Street Fighter had really gone into the kind of niche fighting hardcore audience with like Street Fighter 3 Alpha and, and whatnot. Um, so now I feel like Tekken actually kind of had the place in themselves, um, certainly because it was kind of, for me, um, the the mainstay, the, the kind of big 3D fighting game. Like, there was Soul Calibur, which would come along as well. Mm. But for me, just Tekken was just the fighting game that I knew of. Part of it probably was because I was closed off and because I only had two games for a few years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact that it's the highest-selling fighting game of all time, or franchise, yeah. I think that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of it has to do with it. it kind of it borders on the campiness, you know. Um, the storyline is, it's pure pro wrestling, uh, which I think I can identify with. But I feel that all the characters really have their own unique style. You know, they feel like their own individual characters with the moves and um, just just how they control. Like you know, Jack feels heavy and weighty. The Kuma the Bear feels really heavy and weighty. And then guys like Law, Law Marshall are really kind of quick, snappy, um, and you have to kind of play a more defensive game with them. And as they would get into certainly um, Tekken 3, uh, they would expand this more with like guys like Horang um, and uh, Eddie Marshall, uh, which would become, you know, Spammer's Paradise, Matthew Niner talking to you. 
and but that tactical edge was still there. You know, I really felt it as I go through uh, kind of later increments of the series. And by the time they got to Tekken Five, where they absolutely perfected it, had the perfect roster. Um, like Tekken Five is still fucking the game for me when it comes to the series. Uh, Tekken Four was too slow and sluggish. Tekken Six never grabbed me. Curious to see how Seven will turn out. Uh, and so you know, there was uh, a number of games when it came to uh, evenings of. Um, multiplayer festivities with me and my friends most of the time we'd stick to the n64 because you know you could play with four people yeah but when the ps2 came out it was uh, off the top of my head that i remember it was ssx and it was tekken 5 um but all of that came back to you know tekken 2 tekken 3 um i'd include tag tournament but we just played the bowling game off of that because it was really fucking good um and yeah just I just felt that it had that level of control and certainly the way you could kind of move around in the 3D space. I, I still think that I went back and um, I downloaded a, an emulated version of Tekken 3. I still think it holds up well. Um, I think... No, I sold my PS2, so I sold my copy of, uh, of Tekken 5, but I'll, I want to grab a copy of it and see how that still holds up. But I think that probably still holds up really well and um, I'm hoping that 7 kind of goes back to some of the flow and the pacing of, of what 5 had because 4 was just far too slow and I, and 6 kind of felt like it was playing off of, of 4 uh, one issue that the Tekken series has is when it tries to incorporate other modes Yeah, they don't do them very well uh, but that's kind of something that goes along with all fighting games um, Mortal Kombat try to make uh, a whole game based off of more of a uh, kind of beat em up style uh, type and they, they were terrible. Uh, well, that was it. Was it something Alliance, Mortal Kombat, Deadly Alliance, Deadly Alliance? Yeah, terrible. Uh, there was also a Sub Zero game for the N64, which was oh man, Christ alive, that was terrible. Um, yeah, I just it, it has the 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 list of characters that I I not say I identify with because there's a man that does it for the, the children, the orphanage, and wears a tiger mask, but you know. <laughs> represent king um has a strong soundtrack you know which is always kind of key for a fighting game um i still remember quite a bit i the the intro um cutscene for tekken 2 is fucking burned into my memory because i've seen it so many times um i really like and this is kind of the biggest problem i have with street fighter 5 is the uh story mode is just it's free fights um with a really just lazily hashed out uh, intro and outro either side um it's kind of like what people say about the uh, street fighter 5 story mode that it just seems to be put together as an afterthought that's what i was on about the street Fighter. oh fight. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah but where with like each of the tekken games you know there's um like a story Jesus, kind of three fights yeah fucking hell yeah but where with that's the... why when you said three fights it threw me because i was oh, like no, it no. can't be that bad no 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 the tekken i can't remember i think it was somewhere between eight to ten uh, and obviously the difficulty kind of really increased of each one. Mm. Um, so it really kind of tested your skills. Um, although you could kind of cheat because you could change in the options to make each fight only 30 seconds long, one round. So just get a couple of kicks in and defend for the rest of the way. Yeah. I, I kept it to unlimited time, two fights, you know, two rounds. See who really was the best. Um, the lack of projectiles. Actually, I think thinking because I've been thinking for the last couple of days about what makes it tick for me. I like the fact there's no projectiles. 
you know, yeah. I really like it just being a, a proper kind close of man, quarters. Uh, close quarters CQC. CQC. Yep. I'm all about the CQC. I really should like Metal Gear, really. You really I? should. Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, and I like that, you know, they go ridiculous as well. You've got a fucking boxing kangaroo um, who also skin swap for an alligator. Uh, Heihachi is a great man. Uh, he is one of the, the finer men in the world of video game history. Um. There was also a tiny little dinosaur as well who'd fought. Um, and there was uh, Mocha Jim, who was a kind of wooden dummy who would, from uh, each fight, would uh, take the fighting ability of a different character. So it was random every time. Uh, and yeah, that's... Character that then went on to star in the greatest wrestling match of all time. Yes, yes, Mocha he Jim did. Mocha Jim Ken versus the Mecha Mummy in yeah. Shikara. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, Mecha Mummy versus uh, Minoru Suzuki. That happened as well. Yeah. In a river. Great times. Great times. Love the graphs. And so, and you know, like the motivation that you would play those 10 fights to get to like an ending cutscene. Um, and there was always kind of... There was sometimes a nink-nink... Uh, a wink-wink, nudge-nudge with some of them. Um, like if you think like the Silent Hill endings where you got the one with the dog... Doug's so good. Yeah, Doug's so good. Like they would sometimes do that depending on who you was fighting with, uh, but sometimes, um, you know, they would really kind of span out the story. Like you've got Nina and Anna, like their story is kind of um, their sibling rivalry. Uh, you got the friendly rivalry between Paul and Law. Um, you've got uh, just the whole fucking relationship with uh, Heihachi, Kazuya, Jin, Jun, all of them. Like it, as I said, it is proper pro wrestling stuff. It's yeah pure nonsense but of the highest quality <laughs> um the tekken live action film is terrible oh yeah i forgot about that entirely like people immediately think of street fighter as like a really bad live action fighting film because that was like a worldwide release i don't but think goddamn real julia oh god i tell you what to him it was just a tuesday <laughs> all right um, I don't know what the worldwide release of Tekken was, but I have watched it, and it's really bad. Really, really bad. Um, I haven't seen any of the cartoon, and the animated films. I reckon they're a bit better, I'd imagine. Because, um, you know, anime tends to do it right. And that's about it. I, I'm looking forward to 7, as I said. Um, I guess if I'm doing a, a kind of elevator pitch... Um, I think it's it's one of the more tactical fighting games. You can't just go in and start mashing buttons. You'll get called out pretty quickly. Um, I think Street Fighter does that as well, to be fair. But they're, they're kind of approaching from different angles. One is purely 2D. One is 3D. Um, each character has their real kind of own unique feel to them. You'll find a character that kind of works for you. Um, I like some of the... They kind of customised it. That movie it. came out in um, 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. It grow. It was uh, on a budget of thirty million and grossed nine hundred and sixty-seven thousand. Oh my god! <laughs> there you go. Jeez. Um, if you have a PS2, I definitely recommend picking up Tekken Five. I don't think any of them are on. Um... So... By the way, it also starred uh, Luke Goss from Bros. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I'm just Fair learning enough. some things about this film now. Fair enough. Um, I know that uh, the first three second games were on the PS3 for the PS Network, so I'm presuming they're on PS Now. I don't reckon they're on the PS4 at all, maybe. I Not haven't sure. seen any, to be honest. No. Um, but I Also would... starring uh, Mixed Martial Arts' own Kung Lee. Huh? How about that? There you go. Hey. I'd start, if you want to go back, start with Tekken 2. Uh, Tekken 1 is, is obviously, you know, where it started, but Tekken 2 is where you kind of really refined the fighting style. Uh, and then Tekken 3 is the favourite for a lot of people, but Tekken 2 is the one that I played the most, so that's kind of the one I identify with. Uh, yeah, I think I've I think I've pretty much covered everything that, that needs to be said. Well, I want to thank you, Mark, for uh, holding my hand through this uh, fighting game education. We are going to sit down. It's and... very much not my bag. But... No, we, we're going to sit down and I'm going to... We're going to play through a few rounds at some point. Okay. All right. I'm going to see how that fucking goes. I'll, I'll let you play against the computer for a few rounds. Go. And... Hey, look, I played you at FIFA. You're magnanimous at that. That's true. You played me on home court. Yeah. Um, I think the last bit of business for us to do now, Mark, is to talk about what we're going to do for next week on the book club. <sighs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you got for me. It's my turn, Mark, and I had an idea in my head, but at some point during this show, I became so offended, so outraged, that I felt a need to call an audible. Okay. And thus, next week on Link to the Cast, our book club will not be a game. Oh. It will be a feature film. A work of art. Oh my. And that will be King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Oh, okay. Alright. Among the greatest documentaries ever made. Sure, I can go with that. So we're actually going to do a film review next week yeah. instead. Because I said before that we were going to branch out and not necessarily always do a game. That sometimes we might do a film adaptation. Sometimes we might do hey, a book. Sometimes it, it, sometimes the book club might actually be about a book. The whole point of the book club is we talk about important historical um, and boy is this important cultural significance. I tell you what, I can't wait for the Street Fighter movie uh, review. That's gonna happen. Oh, fucking Someday. right, it's gonna happen. We're gonna start running out of shit after a while. Oh man, no, we got. Trust me, I was thinking about the shit today. We've got still a ton of shit to oh, get through. Yeah. So. Good times. Um, so yeah, that's another episode of Link to the Cast. You can um, the the central hub for all our content is linktothecast.wordpress.com. That is our website where our articles go up, where we link to things, where we do our content roundup of the week, all sorts of good stuff. Everything we do gets posted there. Um, follow us on social media to get updates as they happen. Facebook.com forward slash link the cast and at link to the cast on Twitter. Uh, on SoundCloud, if you want to follow us, you might be listening to this podcast on there. But if you want to follow us on SoundCloud, we're soundcloud.com forward slash link dash two dash the dash cast. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us there. That's going to be the easiest way for you to get the podcast. It just pops nicely into your uh, new podcast whenever you load up them iTunes or your. Uh, uh, I'm a podcast addict man. That is the app I use for podcasts on my phone. You can certainly find us on there. Um. What else have we got? We got YouTube. Look for Link to the Cast on there. We have long since triumphed over the corpse of Anne Robinson and now the uh, highest search result for Link to the Cast on YouTube. Still not related to it. Twitch.tv forward slash Link to the Cast is where you can catch our live streams when they happen. And you can, uh, by following the aforementioned Twitter account, you can find out when we go live there so you can keep, keep Brony company in the chat. Uh, our weekly schedule for content, uh, we go Monday through Friday. At least one thing is posted, sometimes two. Uh, on Mondays we have the solo play series that we call Mark on Mondays Mark what is coming up next week and what do we have up at the moment I enjoy how you keep asking me this because I'm telling you the same thing every week well I'm just looking for a brief Susan <laughs> give me a flavour of where you're at because it's the same game I know uh, well I don't know what whereabouts in Undertale I am like I 
how long did I think the average playthrough was like five to six hours? So you're coming up. So I'm, I must be at least because it'll be part six on Monday. Yeah, I, I must be at least halfway through, if if mm. around there. Last week's episode was only half an hour long um, because I got sidetracked with something else. Um, there was a shiny thing in the room. That was it. He's like a magpie, this guy. Yes. So, no, still doing Untell. I, to be fair, part of it is there's nothing that I'm kind of ready to jump into just yet. Um, but I do just yeah. want to get it finished as well. Yeah. Have you got an idea about what you're doing next? I mean, I'm not asking to say, but have you, have you, you've started, the, the, the cogs are starting to turn, are they? No, no, they not? not yet. Not yet. This guy, eh? This guy. Um, <laughs> Tuesday is the day where an old book club went up uh, or goes up on YouTube. We cut, uh, we do a breakout of a book club from a previous podcast, put it up on YouTube for you to listen to in isolation. What went up this week, Mark? Uh, nothing. Did we not put it up yet? No, because I put your article up. And oh, what's going to go up once we finish recording this? I don't know. I'm going to put up as a surprise. Because <laughs> I've actually, I've, I've uploaded like a bunch of random ones, but I haven't finished that yet. So I'm just kind of like unchecking, uh, unchecking one off of private to public. So. Okay, cool. We have a... A book club will be forthcoming. Yes. At some point this week. Um, we also do articles. This week, a big old article went up. An article that I didn't think I had strong opinions about. Then 2,200 words later, realized I did. Uh, it is what we call the consumer guide to buying video games. There's a lot of uh, hot takes being thrown around the internet, particularly in the fallout of No Man's Sky, that uh, developers lie to us. This is the very first time that has ever happened, apparently. Uh, people feel ripped off. People want refunds. What we are trying to do for you at Link to the Cast is develop a guide of the different ways the hype train can carry you away. We talk about how video game trailers can do it to you. Um, about how pre-orders, season passes, DLC, and reviews can do this to you as well. I'm breaking it all down, explaining where the criticisms are coming from and what advice we can impart to you for making sure that doesn't happen when you're buying games in future so that you can kind of become a smarter consumer, make sure you don't uh, end up doing like I did and buying the Order 886 on day one and feeling completely uh, at a loss when you beat it after about four or five hours. Uh, so that's Tuesday. Go check that up. Uh, Mark, you were saying you're doing your thing on 4K for next week earlier on. Yes, uh, from what I was saying earlier, um, just just kind of look more into 4K in general. Not even terms in just uh, in in terms of just gaming. Just the, the rise of 4K. The rise of 4K and probably take into account the the kind of original announcement of the PS um, or the, the kind of rumors around the PS Pro or the PS Neo, um, how they announced it, where we are now. Um, and just see if if they really have made a kind of a clear cut message on what 4K is. Um, okay. And, so yeah, just kind of see how that leads us into Christmas. Wednesday is linked to the cast plays where we put up. It's our co op series where both of us uh, play through a game together. I'm, Usually, me on controls, you on co pilot. I'm at really starting to feel it. Uh, this is the week where you're feeling it. I was broken two weeks ago. I'm kind of fine Oh, I was now. broken from the get-go. I kind of just hit like a third wind. So we're playing the the trash fire that is Beyond Two Souls, uh, the PS4 port of that, uh, an hour or so every week of us playing that. This week, it was basically Homeless, homeless Simulator 2K16. Yeah. Um, Not a whole lot got done. But uh, because of that one really strong chapter where shit really started to kick off, it could end up being like Heavy Rain where we're going to wildly oscillate between scenes as to whether it's an excellent game or a really, really bad game. I just don't know. I just don't know at this point. Just decide, David Cage, yeah. whether we're supposed to hate you or not. <laughs> I, I, 
um you're pretty decided yeah thursday is when the podcast goes up this very podcast you are listening to with and your it is ear thursday, right now. so hey and it is thursday that? that we're actually recording this now we do that no we usually have it in the can a couple of days in advance but because we're recording it on thursday we get to say things like breaking news in the last half an hour south park has been delayed till 2017 really yeah <laughs> Q1 2017, oh, no exact date given. No. So that's how you know, because that broke at half five this evening. Wow. That this is proper, we're fresh off the presses. Um, so yeah, Thursday, the only thing we post is the podcast, so you get some time to digest that. Please subscribe, uh, rate, review, all sorts of things through your podcast provider of choice. We do not discriminate. Also, did Jason Schreier announce that? Uh, I don't know. I just okay. got it sent to me. I just presume at this point. So the thing when you do these podcasts is that people just tweet you these things. Yeah, I just I just presume at this point it's always Shrier. Shrier that he's yeah. about to get a shitstorm yeah. happening. It's great. Uh, Friday then is Friday plays, and as mentioned uh, earlier on on the podcast, the uh, initial plan was to start playing Bioshock on Friday plays this week, but I'm gonna have to wait and see until midnight tonight if that is going to be a possibility. If not, I'm going to have to ad hoc something. Um, I have an idea. There's something that's downloading on my PlayStation at the moment that I might play that might be a good suitable replacement for a little while. I'll tell you what there is um, on PS Plus this month. There is Journey. I have beaten that. So have I. Uh, and there's also Laws of the Fallen, which I might have a look into. I, uh, have, that, I have that tagged. I didn't download it, though. Yeah, I, but, uh, I have a look at that. Yeah, so Friday Plays this week is either going to be hopefully Bioshock, because I love that game so very much, but if not, it will be something else. Fear not, there will be content. Um, so that's pretty much us. Uh, individually, Mark over there is at Lithium Project on the Tweet Machine, and I am at Dave Ryan IV. Give us a follow there, chat to us. Uh, oh, link to the cast at gmail.com as well if you want to email anything to us, get a question read out on the show. Any no one ever emails like that. Well, that's because I keep forgetting to plug it. We did we no did get it. Well, no, we did get a few one week. Yeah, that was mainly just me being pestered to put that one fucking E3 preview up. No, 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 it wasn't. No, that was the one I threw in as a troll. <laughs> I got okay, that as a PM, not an email. But yeah, uh, no, we did We did get a couple of email questions one week. Really? But I literally, I just don't ever, because I never even think of the email. I have it all forwarded to my personal account, so I see it if it does come okay. in. Anyway. For episode 36 of Link to the Cast, I have been Dave Ryan. I have been Mark Robinson. I'm going to leave you with a little philosophical quote, something to kind of chew over till next week. Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. You say sorry just for show. If you live like that, you live with ghosts. So Mark just discovered Bad Blood was a song <laughs> yesterday. And uh, yeah, that's been happening. So I'm going to go enjoy that for the evening. Um, I'm, going to try and, I'm going to try and leave you with one of these every week. Oh, goody. <laughs> See you all soon, guys. Mm-hmm.